0: 500 vehicles to sell. 500 ways to save. One month only at Bill Penny Mitsubishi during May the Memorial Month. Now through May 31st, we will accept your credit application. A $200 down payment and a $350 a week paycheck can get you a new Mitsubishi. Don't forget, every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty. You can win $5,000 $5, with months. our 5K test drive giveaway. Visit BillPennyMitsubishi.com. To qualify buyers out of approved credit, warranty valid for 10 year ownership on new vehicles only. One entry per household per month. Must be 21 with valid driver's license and insurance. See dealer for details. <laughs>
2: I've been particularly short-tempered um, When it comes to matters of fandom And I don't know how that Bodes for Rough Trade in April But I'm just going to say outright That I've come close to Cussing out one person For offering me unsolicited beta And I threaten to ban another For offering me unsolicited beta I don't actually give a fuck If I don't Jenny's name right, just to let you know, I don't care. I don't care if I use the wrong word. You're getting it for free. Stop fucking telling me what is wrong with it. Read it and go the fuck away. I could not be more serious. About this. If one more fucking grammar Nazi hits me this week, I'm going to lose my shit. In other news, (coughs) I would like to point out to everybody listening that when something happens to another person, if they are robbed or, ta- or attacked or mugged or someone hits them with their car or someone plagiarizes them or steals their ideas and their format and their fucking plot and their scene structure and rewrites their entire story to suit themselves, they are the victim. And it's not their goddamn fault, and they have every right not to be flattered By that fucking bullshit Hobbit fandom. Do you hear me? I hope you do. Because that is the biggest load of bullshit. Okay. I'm going to tell you a funny... (coughs) I went out in my role as a wife and food gatherer to get my husband some food. Now, granted, it was about an hour after he normally eats dinner. He's a southern man. He likes to live on a schedule. Lunch is from this time to this time. He's practically a hobbit. Dinner is from this time to this time. If it's late, he wants to know why. That's just how that works. So I go out to get food, and I'm 45 minutes behind schedule. Not that I'm rushing, because I don't do that for anybody. I'm one of those women who glides through life. I don't rush for anybody or anything. And his need for dinner kind of collided with my white girlness. And and let me tell you about this. Let me tell you. There are certain things that happen on the radio that when they happen – Every white girl in the South is going to respond to. Guns and Roses is one of those things. Tom Petty is another. Bon Jovi. You put Bon Jovi on the radio, you're not getting a white girl my age out of the car. Okay, just let you know. So Tom Petty came on the radio as I was pulling into the driveway. An American girl, which of course is like the southern white girl... Anthem came on. So I'm in my car (laughs) in the driveway, and I may or may not have been playing the drums on the steering wheel of my car, singing at the top of my lungs. American Girl by Tom (sighs) Petty. When I hear this bang on my window, and there's my husband. And I rolled down the window. He said, what the fuck are you doing? I said, Tom Petty's on the radio. I can't leave Tom Petty on the radio by himself. And he said, give me my food. <laughs> so I, I give him his food. And he turns to me and he points his finger and he says, you're the whitest girl I know. And then he came in the house. There you go. There you go. That's me. Scare scares another, um... I'm not a big fan <coughs> of Ozzy Osbourne because I do have a weak stomach, <clears throat> but yeah, and Queen, Queen, you put Queen on the radio, you're not getting anybody out of the car, because you don't leave Freddie by himself, no matter what he's singing, you got to stay in the car. No one's getting out of the car when Bohemian Rhapsody's on because you don't want to miss that opportunity to bang your head. Come on. Anyways, this could be an American experience. I don't know, mm. but you don't leave Freddie on. La- Just as a minion rule, as a minion rule, you don't leave Freddie on the radio by himself. I don't care what you're going to do, and if you're late, I don't give a shit. You don't leave Freddie on the radio by himself. This is also another kind to of point out my main minion rule, which is not to be an asshole. And I've had to say this a couple of times this week. I even had to post it in minion headquarters. <sighs> and someone posted pictures of spiders today as a comment on somebody else's post. I deleted the whole post as of pure irritation. People. Also, don't fuck your relatives. That's an excellent rule. Rule number one, don't be an asshole. Rule number two, don't get naked in public. Rule number three, don't fuck your relatives. Rule number four, no ass to mouth. Think before you repark. It's a basic rule. Don't put your dick anywhere but in the shower after it's been in somebody's ass, okay? That's just general good health practice, okay? Just general, just get it out there. (coughs) (coughs) I have to admit I'm really irritated with um, the response of that whole a plagiarism thing and how it isn't actually plagiarism because she didn't steal it word for word. Um, When she did, in fact, take the idea, the plot, and the scene structure and just rewrite it. And she did it because the author hadn't updated the fic in a while. And what bothered me more than what she did, which was shitty... was the amount of people who thought and expressed this, that she did not have the right to be upset. She has every fucking right to be upset. I had an aunt when I was younger who believed a lady didn't cause a scene. Granted, she was my aunt by marriage. She was not my aunt by blood because women in my family pride themselves on causing a scene. Let's just put that out there, which could be why she wasn't my aunt for very long. Anyways, she was of that kind of of people who believe you should just grin and bear it and not express your displeasure and that you weren't allowed to get upset with other people for um, their behavior, no matter how that behavior might impact you. And I'm going to tell you right now, You have every single right to get upset when someone abuses you, misuses you or your creativity or your work. They steal from you. You have every right to be upset. If they bully you, you have every right to be upset. And also, telling someone you're not happy with what they've done is not bullying. It's not. You're entitled to tell someone when they're being a fucking asshole, hey, you're being a fucking asshole. You're entitled to that. And when you misbehave and someone calls you out on it, acting like a victim... When you do something wrong, apologize, move on. Don't turn yourself into a fucking murder and act like your victim is bullying you. Anyways, I'm I'm a little irritated by that whole thing, because it's not flattering when someone steals from you. Just like it's not flattering when some man won't take no for an answer, and he keeps hitting on you and following you around the fucking store, or whatever he's doing. It's not flattering. It's stalking. Exactly, Clary Watson says in the chat room How dare you be victimized by my Assholery, exactly How dare you get upset About my bad behavior and That's what That's what she's saying, that's what they all say How dare you be upset Because I was out of line Anyways <clears throat> That happened And <clears throat> My mother hasn't called me today to arrange for the weekend's activities, so there may be a phone call in the midst of my radio show just to let you bitches know. I mean, because, you know, she has no concept of time, and she is aware of the fact that I'm currently on my podcast. But uh, like my mother, like myself, the, the, the loins I sprung from don't actually give a fuck. She, lo- oh, I want to tell you guys the best story. Oh my God, it's about my mama. She would probably kill me if she knew, uh, but she doesn't listen to my she doesn't listen to my podcast because one time she accidentally clicked on it and it was that one where I was discussing anal sex and um, she got upset. Um, not that I was. Uh, Discussing anal sex in general But that I was discussing anal sex In such a public forum That was really upsetting to her Especially when I told her that 3,000 people Had listened to that particular podcast And she was like, oh honey No <laughs> And so she hasn't listened to them since Okay, my mom called me Because <coughs> she was in Doctor's office And her tablet was dead Because she didn't charge it <coughs> So she hadn't charged her tablet She had anything to do And she had to wait like 45 minutes So she picks up this old magazine And in this magazine Is an article about acid And how um, People who dropped acid In the 60's and 70's Can have a trip Decades later Now you're probably wondering why my mother called me to bitch about this. And she did genuinely bitch about this. <laughs> she says to me... <laughs> I'm sorry, hold on. She says to me... She, she explains this whole article to me and, and how it happened and, and what it was. And um, LSD... Um, um, and can cause a secondary trip decades after the fact. Uh it happens in some people, it's it's not everybody. It's rare. Um, she called me and she says Well I'm pissed because I haven't gotten a second trip yet. And I said, That bastard, how dare he sell you inferior acid? <laughs> It is a good thing She has no idea Who sold that shit to her In the 70s Because if she did She would call them up And cuss them out For selling her Inferior um, LSD Because she has yet To get her second trip Out of it And I said Well take heart Maybe it will happen After your first stroke Which is a joke In my family It's terrible It sounds terrible Out of context But um, my grandmother has several strokes, and after each stroke, she became progressively less concerned about everybody else's feelings. Mom apparently had a really good trip the first and only time she ever took LSD, and she was looking forward to a repeat. Regardless. So... Whenever somebody misbehaves in my family of a certain age, we excuse their behavior by telling people they had a stroke. Oh, you know, I'm sorry for her. It's, she hasn't been quite the same since she had her stroke. And they'll be like, oh, and they nod like it's okay, because that's totally a good excuse to behave badly. And terrible all at the same time. But my grandmother was hell on wheels the last five years of her life because her give a fuck was completely and totally broken. And she developed this um, bridge that, you know how you have a filter? You know, you have that brain-to-mouth filter? She developed a bridge over her filter. It was just like a slide. So whatever she thought immediately came out of her fucking mouth. I actually do have a filter. You would be surprised at the shit that I don't say. I think a lot of shit I don't actually say. Proper filter. It's just not what most people would expect it to be. Let's just put it that way. Oh, you know, no, no. But so, fandom pissed me off this week. Um, People on my website pissed me off this week. And the thing is, is that the people who actually nitpicked me, Pointed out in the midst of doing this, they knew I wouldn't like it. How fucking disrespectful can you possibly be and still exist on this planet? I know you don't like this, but I'm going to punch you in the face anyway. That's right. I don't care if you don't like it, just get it out there, just get it out there and um because of my experiences over the past couple of weeks, I'm probably going to throw people off rough trade during April because Um, I went from, I'm going to edit your comments if you get out of line, to I'm going to delete your comments if you get out of line. Straight on to, I'm going to ban your ass if you get out of line during Rough Trade in April. I swear to fucking God, I will throw you off. I don't even believe in God. I swear to Tom Hiddleston, because I know for a fact he does exist, that I will throw your ass off Rough Trade If you violate my rules when it comes to feedback, I could not be more serious. I will ban every IP in your fucking state to make sure I get you. (laughs) (coughs) 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 <laughs> <coughs> 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 I have no idea what the chat room just censored Viserys. But you know, no, it's just it's like I'm I've I've reached a limit on my to tolerance is gone, boom, gone. Tolerance. It went the way of the wind. My tolerance was a leaf on the fucking wind, and now it's dead. I think I'm actually going to keep a list of offenders, a public one, on Rough Trade in April. I'm going to call it the Wall of Shame. Anyways. Anyways, Jillie actually gave me a topic for this week, and I will eventually <laughs> edit the title of my <laughs> this radio show to reflect that, <clears throat> um, so that people can find it. Um, but I probably want to put a warning at the front and saying the first um, twenty or so minutes of this radio show was dedicated to Kira bitching about shit that pisses her off this week. And for the record. Um, That isn't even half the shit that pissed me off this week. That's just the shit that I'm going to talk about. Um, Oh, one other thing. I have this terrible neighbor. Oh, my God. She could not be more boring if she were dead. In fact, I believe if she was a corpse, she'd be more entertaining And she came, she came to my to my yard while I was in the backyard with my dog, and my dog hates her. One ignores she exists, and the other one hates her so much that the sight of her infuriates him to the point where he actually makes himself sick with fury or anger or I don't know what. But um, I had to take Jack into the house. I thought he was going to stroke out. I mean, he was ridiculous. When I picked him up, it was like he'd been stuffed by a taxidermist because he was so stiff. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> he was just like a like a doll, like a dog mannequin. He was just <clears throat> he was so stiff and so mad. It was ridiculous, and all she did was come into the yard and um I don't know i mean she she smells like mothballs, but so does my cousin and that's not a problem, so I don't know I don't know what it is, but she would actually be more entertaining if she was a corpse, and her husband's an asshole too. No, no, he's not part poodle. But he, she, I, I don't know if she did something to him once while I wasn't around or or what. But he, it's not drama. It's not put on. He hates her guts. If there is one person in this neighborhood I fear that he might bite, it's her. But he couldn't be sweeter under normal circumstances. But the sight of her makes him, Psychotic. I mean, that's just the only term for it. <coughs> I brought him into the house and he immediately calmed down. There's just something about her that really puts him off. I don't know, man. Maybe it's a pot she smokes. Well, in, yeah, because she has um, glaucoma. So she has a prescription for marijuana and she smokes. And she still would be more entertaining. If she were a corpse. Now, when you regularly smoke marijuana and you're still boring as fuck, that's a real problem. That's a personality deficiency that needs to be worked on. Or It could be too late because she's in her 60s. Um, let's just say that I'm not surprised that she never had a second trip. Because she had a moral dilemma about smoking pot um, with permission, and um, she had to be talked into it. I suggested she baked them into brownies. That way, she wouldn't be smoking. Um, and she did that for a while. She baked it in brownies. Um, she's not nearly as uh, aggressive. She used to be this terrible old, you know, report you for everything, you know, get in your yard, be in your business. And now she smokes a lot. She's just, like, really fucking boring. Honestly, I liked her better when she was sober. So sober or dead would be great. Not that I'm, you know, going to help her along in either one of those instances. I'm not going to steal her pot. Um, although, frankly, if she would you know, share her stash with me, I'd probably find her more entertaining. i just, just saying. <laughs> but, but, but no, she's not too laid back. She's literally the most boring person on earth. She spent an hour and a half talking about the soil quality in her garden. An hour and a half talking about the soil quality in her backyard garden. Let me count the ways I don't give a fuck about the soil quality in her backyard garden. There are about a thousand ways that I don't give a fuck. I. I oh, God. A hobbit would be entertaining. I could live next door to a hobbit. Food would be awesome. There'd be a lot of it. It'd be great. There'd be biscuits and scones and stew and and it would be awesome and bread. Instead of stuck next to a boring old stoner who can't even be entertaining when she's high as a kite. I'm just putting that out there for you guys. But again, I've gone off the topics that Julie suggested we discuss this week. So here we go. The topic um, that Julie asked me to bring up and um, remind me, I'm going to put down an hour and 32 minutes in if people, I mean, it's like 38 minutes in if people want to skip my ranting just to get to this part. Okay, anyway, um, one of the biggest problems in fandom Um, is finding the ending of your story. And I think that comes from the fact that a great many people in fandom are not plotters. They're pantsers. They write by the seat of their pants and they write until they run out of ideas, whether it is an ending or not. And... One of the things I actually get a lot of um, negative feedback on that um, I take it because uh, I realize a lot of people don't agree with the ending, but the way I ended the birth of the Serpent King, um, I ended it short of their Yule break, um, and I ended it without any resolution for Voldemort or um, even Draco and Harry's relationship, but... But what I would say about that project is when I plotted the birth of the Serpent King, it was not about Voldemort. It was not about his relationship with Draco. It was about his evolution from this young boy who didn't quite understand his place in the world, who didn't um who didn't have a grasp of Who or what he was. So that's why I called it the birth of the serpent king. It is Harry's birth as a parcel mouth. All that story is about. Everything else is just subplots and little extra things. But So when you're going to build a story, whether you do it with a plot or whether you do it by the seat of your pants, you need to know what the core of your story is. And you need to tell that story first. And even if you are a pantser, it would not be out of line for you to open up a document somewhere on your computer and say, beginning, middle, and end, and say, I want to begin my story with this event. I need this event to happen in the middle of my story. And I need to end my story with this event. Why did I end The Birth of the Serpent King where I did? Because the story is about to turn and be about Draco. And that's why part two of that series will be called Rise of the Dragon. Because Draco, coming to terms with the loss of his father, his portrait has woken up. Malfoy Manor, he has to deal with his mother he has to deal with his relationship with Harry and how complicated that is he has to deal with um, the financial concerns of of the Malfoy estate and how he comes to terms with all of that plus in the midst of that his own magical nature starts to wake up in a response to Harry's so he really is Rising up out of the ashes of his father's death, and what that means to the character, and what that means for his his animagus form, um, which is going to be a dragon, obviously. Uh, So it's, and also, Harry's birth as a parcel mouth isn't, it's done, but his maturation as a parcel mouth is going to push him in a different direction and he's going to find out that the first form he assumed he's not done so that's why the story ended where it did because it was literally about his birth so when you're talking about building a story taking an idea and wrapping your words around that idea and creating um, a work of fiction you need to know your beginning your middle and your end if you know nothing else you need to know these things that way your story does not go on for 400 plus chapters unless you want it to go on 400 plus chapters this is totally your call if you want a right to a million word story you go right ahead and write yourself a million word story you you own that shit but don't make it look like you didn't plan it. all I'm saying. You need a plan. You always need a plan. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be detailed. It doesn't have to be intricate. Your plan can change. Plan survives engagement. <coughs> <coughs> but Having a plan gives you a foundation on which you can build. And that foundation will make you feel very safe, and then you'll be able to explore your idea without having to worry how it's going to end. You already know how it's going to end, you don't
0: have to worry about it. Anyways.
2: <sighs> Jilly, what's your area code? Are you listening? Tell me in the chat room. Um,
0: okay. Hey, hey,
2: you're beginning, your middle, and your end. Is is that how you work?
0: It depends. If I'm writing, um, sometimes I have a really clear vision, and I do know my beginning, my middle, and my end. Um sometimes I just start off with an idea that I don't know where it's going, but I set for myself I have to set a hard limit on how much I'll explore before I have to figure out the middle and the end. Um for myself that's 20,000 words. Um before I say if I haven't figured out where this is going in that amount of time, I have to call it quits and rethink it. Mhm. But, you know, um there are times when I'm really clear on exactly everything that's going to happen in a story, and there are times when I only know the beginning, the middle, and the end, and I pants everything in between. But I also don't put stuff up, except in rough trade, where I don't mm-hmm. know that, what the end game is. And I think that's something I see a lot in fan fiction: is that people clearly don't know their end game um, as a writer. Sorry. And also, um, the other thing I've noticed is that, um, you know, there's an author that I actually really like the way she writes. Um, She has really original ideas, and she does a lot of original pairings. And she's got like 15 stories, 20 stories maybe, that are in process, and I think she has one finished. And every single story, they have one thing in common. They're all shortly after the climax of the plot, before she stalls and moves on to the next idea, and the first thing she says in the next idea is something along the lines of, I know I still need to finish the X number of previous stories, but this idea won't let me go. And writing Falling Action is work. It's more work than writing the stuff that really revs you up and makes you excited. I mean, my muses don't go, wow, today I really want to wrap up loose ends. (laughs) They never, ever have ever done <laughs> yeah, that to me. That's
2: really what I want to do. <laughs> I'm super excited about that. <sighs> no, you know, I uh, there have been times when I have ended a story very abruptly because I'm like, fuck this. But one of the things that um, I pride myself on, especially when it comes to Sentinels of Atlantis, was how I structured each episode to have a beginning and a middle and an end, and how each episode builds on the other, and how there's things that happen in Episode 1 that you don't see um, a bloom of until Episode 25. And that takes planning and that takes work. And it was a lot of work, and that's probably why I haven't started Season 2. <laughs> and it's the same as Because it was. It is. The, the,
0: the payoff of the thing was of
2: huge. Thanks. The payoff was huge when I got to the end and I had written um, The Search, which is the biggest part of Sentinels of Atlantis to date. When I finished it, I was like, hell yeah. I knew when I wrote The Queen which is about midway, I think. It's a little past maybe midway. When I wrote The Queen, I knew I'd already accomplished the arc that I wanted to do. I, I'd gotten there. And then I had that downward. So so if season one has a climax, uh, a, uh, climax I think it's The Queen. Because it, you just boom, and then there is this revelation for Miko and for Rodney and John, and they're like, "Whoa, what the shit? <laughs> you know, where, where did that come from?" And then it kind of winds down, and you get that whole slow build back up into the search. And I think that when you can plan that and follow through with that, it's extremely rewarding. But uh, I don't know. It was um, it was difficult. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I um, there the, there were times just following my plot and staying with my storybook was very difficult because the Signals of Atlantis had a storyboard that I spread out over my wall in my office um as big as <laughs> any professional project I've ever done actually it took up a whole wall and um I drew I mean I drew out the entire plot for the first season on this big this big piece of paper and um <coughs> My husband would look at it and be like, "What? what is this feral mating thing? I said, you don't want to know. Because <laughs> that was the episode where Bates <laughs> comes online. You don't want to know. You don't want to know. But, yeah, <laughs> so following your plot can be very rewarding, but it can also be, like Julie said, a lot of work. And <clears throat> it's not always fun. Sometimes that that release of of momentum and then that that slowdown to the end can be um, traumatic and then you don't end up finishing the story because the climax is so exhausting i don't mean that in a sexual way
0: sort of (laughs) Well, I mean, but it it is a little bit like, you know, it is a little bit like sex. It's a good metaphor there. It's like you're really excited about the work up to the climax, and then you have the climax, and you go, I don't want to get up and clean <laughs> up. I'm done. I'm I just done. want to go to sleep. <laughs>
2: and it's such a relief when your partner goes, okay, yeah,
0: and you roll over <laughs> and
2: goes to sleep, too. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, so you... You work to get there, and you build, and you build, and you build, and then um, boom. I think that we can actually blame that ending apathy for, like, the entirety of the Deathly Hallows. (laughs) 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 I'm pretty sure that Joanne climaxed around the order of the phoenix (laughs) so (laughs) the half-blood prince and the deathly hallows
0: was when she wished she was napping why didn't you just roll
2: over and take take a nap sleep have a cigarette make a sandwich I'm
0: just you know. Um. Also, I think I think that's one thing. I'll never, go, ahead. go ahead. Okay, I'm I, saying was I was. Never,
2: I'm, I'm never going to actually forgive her for the Order of the Phoenix.
0: <laughs> no, because uh, you know at the end of the Order of the Phoenix, the worst thing to happen in the you know in the in the series happens, and then she just goes on a killing spree for the next two books, and it's just really hard to get past that
2: author sadism
0: it really is not
2: the fun kind of sadism
0: and for um for people who do um rough trade um this is something there i think there's another kind of um thing where people fizzle out at the end and um if you're the kind of person who writes well under a deadline or where you have um, some sort of daily impetus to write, like on Rough Trade or during Nano, where you're posting every day, and there's this environment that creates a buzz, when that environment goes away, your impetus to write is suddenly gone. And yeah. so you don't finish. So that's where, do that's, where that. careful, that's where careful plotting comes in, because you want to plot what you can write while you have your structure, while you have that
2: I. I know a writer who only finishes one book a year, and she always finishes, she starts and finishes that book during Nano, National Novel Writing Month, and then she spends the first half of the next year editing it. Then she sends it off to her agent, who sends it off to the publisher, and (laughs) she's had 15 books published that way. She publishes one every year, and it is always without fail her Nano project.
0: Mm hmm. Some people need structure, you know. Some people need that daily push, in a, you know, even with some, to some degree with a group behind them. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's your thing, but I'd sort of like recognize it, know that you have to contain what you're going to write to what you can get done in that amount of time and don't make your story too big. Right. Otherwise you're just going to have another unfinished story. And that's how Sina and I got onto this, this t- topic, to, you know, in the first place, was because we were both talking about both of our goal prior to April was to wrap up stories that were almost done, and get them done before we had another story that was almost done, or another two stories think- that were almost done. <sighs> And then I was I bitching that, about how um, falling action sucks. Okay.
2: So It does suck. It does suck because not only um, have you lost your um, – it's almost like you have a little death in your story, and it's, um, it's your momentum. Because not only is this momentum the story, your, your story is building and moving forward, 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 forward. You are too, as a writer – So that momentum for the story climaxes, and as a writer, you do too. And if you're someone who's easily distracted by a new idea, which could be why I have a couple of hundred works in progress, um, even though I am a plotter, I, I do get distracted easily by ideas. I finish a lot. I write a lot. I write upwards of... I don't know. Eight to ten K a day. Wow. Unless I'm, you know, sick or dying or I know, it's stupid. <laughs> I know it's crazy. <laughs> no, I, know I think it's it awesome. <clears throat> <clears throat> but it or if I break something, yeah. I wrote um I wrote that old black magic in two weeks. And I honestly couldn't tell you how long it is. I, I would have to look. But I wrote it in two weeks.
0: Like, I'd have a love affair with that story <laughs> if I could. <coughs> oh, oh, thank you. <coughs> if that's not enough food, I'm it would be like hot ice cream. Oh, it's my favorite cheesecake. Cheesecake
2: is my favorite. Cheesecake, yeah.
0: That's the cheesecake <laughs> of your stories. <laughs>
2: My favorite story that I wrote... The one I go back to read the most would be Ties That Bind as a whole. Um, That old black magic is... 133,000 words And I wrote it in two weeks And the beta Actually took about 5,000 words Off of it maybe It's ridiculous I ain't gonna lie <laughs> But sometimes you an, an idea just kind of Worms its way into your head And it won't let go Until you're done And that's really exciting as a writer um unfortunately it doesn't happen to me often <laughs> usually i have to break something a foot a leg an arm no not an arm i've never broken a hand or an arm knock on wood
0: i think i had a fractured kneecap for emergence Did you i think that was that i think, think i think that was that month
2: You lower somebody's mobility and they write as a hobby, they're going to pump out some... (laughs) some (laughs) Yes, I did have a broken foot during Birth of the Serpent King. I also had a broken foot when I wrote War Mages.
0: So, you break things and you really, really want to write Harry Potter?
2: Apparently so. (laughs) I think it's maybe because... more with Harry Potter when I'm actually um,
0: suffering, broken, mm, yeah.
2: uh, is my mother calling. <laughs> I told you guys.
0: <sighs> Crazy.
2: I'm going to call her on my cell phone. Um, <clears throat> Automated voice messaging system, I guess she's still calling my house. Hello, Mother. What's up? Hello. You called me. What's up? Yes, we can get our nails done tomorrow. What time you'll pick me up? Hmm. If we got, if we could leave the house at a reasonable hour, we could have breakfast at Golden Corral. But I don't actually see my ass getting up before ten thirty. So, how about eleven? <laughs> Um, Watch Grimm before you go to sleep Watch Grimm before you go to sleep Just do it I'm actually on the internet on my podcast So I'm going to have to let you go But watch Grimm Okay well, we'll, we'll, We'll talk about it tomorrow Okay No it's from 10 to 12 It's okay Bye. Okay, I'm sorry you guys. Um <coughs> but if I don't answer the phone this time of the night when she calls she might call the National Guard. I mean she's you know, she's crazy and she's southern, that's what happens in the South when you're crazy. Yeah, I do have an uncle in the National Guard. Grim was on earlier. It was a new episode. If you have not watched it, you absolutely fucking need to. It was like, whoa. Um, oh, that person I cussed out for nitpicking me um, emailed me back. I don't even want to know what they said. So I'm going to go look because I can't help myself.
0: I got, you know, I... I I fiercely object to nitpicking. I really do. But I also, fe- even more, I've discovered in this month that I object to nitpicking when the person who's nitpicking me is wrong. It's like if you're going to have the decency to, t- to, to take the time to write me and bitch at me, at least be right about what you're writing and bitching at me about. I had two people on the same word that I use in, I think, Journey Home. I use an obscure word, but it is a word, right, to tell me that it wasn't a word. I was like, get over yourself. All you have to do is, you know, Google that shit. <laughs> it takes you longer to email me than it takes you to Google the word.
2: Uh, they <sighs> claim to have forgotten how much it pisses me off.
0: Oh, come on. This is
2: what I said in all capital letters. Because they asked me if I minded. In the comment that they left on my website And I said yes I fucking mind Stop offering your unsolicited Goddamn beta one more fucking time And I'll ban you from my site In all capital letters
1: <sighs>
2: Anyways um, Actually I don't care If they're right or wrong I don't want to hear it
0: Well I agree <laughs> I agree <laughs> you know,
2: When they're wrong, yes, I agree It's much more irritating when they're wrong But I don't want to hear it either way And it's well known It's on the front of my fucking website That I don't want to hear it And people acknowledge Oh, I know you don't actually want to hear this But it couldn't be more disrespectful Disrespectful and nothing nothing irritates me more than intentional disrespect. If you do something disrespectful to somebody by accident, if 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 it's even possible, I can understand it, but when you set out to insult somebody by ignoring their wishes, You are an asshole. Which is almost as bad as being a cock block. Not quite, but it's close. No, Brad hasn't emailed me since I ignored his last email. Maybe he's still studying me, trying to figure out how long it's going to be before I respond to his utter nonsense. I don't know. You know, I'm not actually a person to Brad. I'm a thing. Anyways, I'm sorry.
0: <clears throat> so, Julie, what are you writing for your rough trade? I am writing um, my my uh, my historical is called The Hospitality of Hobbits. It's about mm-hmm. um, aggressive, very very aggressive about hospitality hobbits. Um, Belladonna. <laughs> Belladonna finds out, she's out adventuring, and she finds out that uh, the that, uh, Dern's folk are moving from Dunland to uh, the Blue Mountains, and she hears the tale about them and getting kicked out of their home, and she goes back to her father and says, we have to do something about this, and he disagrees, and eventually she guilts him into it, and uh, so the hobbits meet the dwarves on the road. And, they would like to extend you hospitality, which is almost a binding contract for a hobbit. But the dwarves think they're just saying, "Sure, we'll stop for soup," and then they find out the hosp- hobbits aren't going go. <laughs> <So. laughs> no, so to let them go. So the hobbits decided to keep a thousand dwarves.
2: <laughs> so this is where you'll be living now. You Until can you set have up a your proper home, here. you can't
0: go anywhere. so and then um hobbits have a they have a, um my my little backstory is that hobbits are um originally from the north and they have uh they're they they're 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 poisonous to dragons because of something that hobbits eat And they also have figured out ways to refine this thing that they eat to be very dangerous to dragons. So they developed a treaty with the dragons that they wouldn't reveal this weakness in exchange for the dragons leaving the rest of Middle-earth alone. So finding out that, and only the Thane knows this after thousands of years, so um, the Thane pulls the king aside, King Thrain aside, and says, wouldn't you rather just go back home and deal with the dragon? (laughs) Because hobbits can do that, don't you know? So <laughs> pipe that's my historical story. <laughs> Lady
2: Holders, in the chat room, offering up pipeweed. It's close. Yes, I let's just log call um,
0: Hi. I actually called my code name for it, and I may not stick with this, is Bumblebrush, Brush. So pipeweed's pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> that's great.
2: Somebody inspected me who's who's also writing Hobbit fic because she, um, uh, Lucy cast, Lawless, uh, right? Lucy Lawless is Bella Donna's hook, and now it's like part of my headcanon. It will yeah. never go away. Because <laughs> the whole time you were describing that, I was thinking of her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if my Bella Donna was older, I would be like on my knees to Star Kindler going, Can I please, please, please take your, borrow your casting, please? <laughs> We'll steal your casting with permission, please. Please let me, because that's just made of wind. It is.
2: It's perfect. It's absolutely yeah. perfect. And I just want to write a story where Belda actually lives. <laughs> yes. <coughs> and Gandalf comes to get Bilbo for an adventure, and belda's like, what? <laughs> <coughs> no.
0: And then for my Immortality Challenge, I'm taking Emergence to Atlantis. So that will be fun. That will be Rodney awesome. Be a, making Rodney be a dragon that he doesn't really want to be.
2: Assuming his true form.
0: Yes. Because <laughs> he's by,
2: already a dragon.
0: that <laughs> fire-breathing fire monster, exactly. John be like, that's not actually a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Rodney's a dragon? No. Oh, I saw
2: that shit coming. We, tell, we all saw that shit coming.
0: <laughs> so my favorite thing for um, the Emergence thing is I'm having a um, new ability pop up. It doesn't pop up much, and I haven't figured out exactly what I'm going to call this ability. I've known I wanted to do it since I first started Emergence, but I never found a character I was going to do it to. And I thought about doing it to Rodney, but I thought it would be too cruel, so I'm doing it to Lauren instead, which was this <laughs> sort of... Animal attractant ability. It's like wherever they go, animals find this particular type of dragon very appealing. And um, so everywhere Lauren goes from then on, animals just follow him around. They want to go home with him. The problem is the Allure works on the race, too. So he sort of becomes race bait. <laughs> <just> like, Literally. <laughs> <laughs> He's sort of like catnip for the race, and they really resent the situation, too.
2: I bet they do. Wow.
0: So
1: that's going to be fun.
0: <laughs> but I do have, unlike unlike when I started Emergence the first time, because I probably got a good 20,000 Merge into Emergence before I figured out where I was going, and then I thought, oh, I need another 80,000 words to get there, to get to the end. And I actually needed another 180,000 <laughs> words to get to the end. So that was poor estimating. Um, but unlike you know, the first go-around, I actually know at the start whether I'm he- where I'm headed. But, um, yeah, so hopefully this one will get done sooner. I, th-
2: I think as long as you know where you're going, if it takes 8,000 words or 80,000 words... It's fine. That's your choice. As long as you know where you're going, you get there, and you end it on your terms.
0: Yeah. And it's funny, the ending on your terms is, I think, um, every, there's so many different ways that you can end a story. Um, you can type every loose end. Um, you can do, like, some people do, like, a time stamp epilogue where they address all the things that they didn't address in the main body of the story. Um so people know they're writing a sequel, and so you kind of get what kind of feels... A, it's not a, quite a cliffhanger, but it's kind of like, wow, well, it was kind of abrupt, and it's done. But it's because the next story is coming, and this arc is finished, and that's that. I think you, you talked about that with Birth of the Serpent King a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that people need to just go with what works for them and what works for the story, um, and not let other people... Um, influence their their perception of how their story needs to go. Because it doesn't matter whether you type every loose end in a neat little bow or not, people are going to bitch and say it wasn't enough. If they liked it, it's never going to be enough.
2: It, no, it will never be enough. Um, I think one of the reasons why I've put off um, finishing ties that bind is um, because uh, when I announced there was one part left, I got so much. Crap about it. Oh, you can't end it. No, no, we can't end it here. What are you going to do? How is this going to work? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Fuck you. Stop asking questions. <laughs> Rock, fall, everybody dies, and Atlantis explodes. There you go. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's so frustrating as a writer when, when you know where you want to go and, and you know where it's going to happen and still people try to inject themselves into um story and the idea. Which is actually really funny because Jaded Havoc is doing a story on Facebook and um she's writing a story about um Merlin finding um the reborn Arthur and it's Harry and um there was a commenter who tried to inject their own ideas, into what the pairing would be in her story. And she told them it wasn't a democracy. <laughs> there wasn't going to actually be a vote. It was her decision. <laughs> but this this person, um, they were I guess they were really excited, and they were trying to share their ideas or where they thought her story should go. And um, I laughed my ass off. <laughs> I laughed so hard. Oh, my because <coughs> it's not a democracy you don't get to decide where an author is going to go with their work and if you don't like where it goes that's your problem not theirs
0: absolutely i um, what's the what are they called this is what happens when you get you know my age, is you get word retrieval problems. Uh, Mm. (laughs) fix fine, the Fix-Find sites. So we have all these Fix-Find sites out there. And um, I actually didn't follow any of them. Um, I just periodically checked in on them. You know, I'd pop in every once in a while and see what was going on. Uh, And um, I decided to start following a couple of them, mostly so that if people started bringing up rough trade stories, I could... Get on them early and give a polite, um, this may not be finished yet, you know. Right. The author will be, and and try to intercept um, some of the, because there's been some nasty fights on Sick Finds about Rough Trade stories. And um, there was one this week on one of them where um, somebody had asked for something that met a certain criteria, and one of them was a finished story that had come from Rough Trade. And somebody said, you know, here's this story. And someone responded and said, that's not a finished story. They read it and said, that's not a finished story. That's a whip. And it was like, no, that's not. It's the finished story. The author says it's finished, and that's her, you know, where she wanted to end it. And the person said, no, there should be a warning about stories that end this way. This isn't a finished fic. And there was this whole debate about whether or not the author was really done with her story. And the author chimed in and said, no, the story's actually done. And they felt like the story didn't qualify as done, and therefore it shouldn't be marked as done, and therefore there should be warnings on it. And it was just like, you know, all of the people, actually everybody from everybody that I know who's a rough trade person handled it really well in terms of being polite about it. But it was just sort of mind boggling that somebody thought that this was up for debate, that um, that someone can't, that an author can't declare when their story's done, and I, I just. I had It's one of the times I had a really hard time keeping my polite on and not just eviscerating the person and saying, <laughs> Just what? whip it out. What <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you?
2: You don't actually get to decide when the author is finished. That's their decision.
0: <laughs> if they say they're done, they're fucking done. That's it. It's, and, you know... When it comes to my sight and my shit, when people piss me off, they get polite, but they get polite in the most nasty, caustic, biting way possible. But when I'm out there for rough trade, I put on a different face, and I'm mad. It's hard sometimes to just not be me. <laughs> it's hard I, not to just get I that caustic the nastiness out.
2: I watched the threads on Stargate fic finders, um, at least the Atlanta's fic finders, and I, I've i watched a few on the NCIS fic finders. But frankly, the NCIS fandom pisses me off, so I don't go there often. Um, I don't normally weigh into a discussion unless it starts to turn towards bashing um, because I don't want to come off like a fandom heavy. That makes sense. Like I'm mm-hmm. trying to come in and tell everybody to shut the fuck up. Even when I want to come in and say, "You bitches need to shut the fuck up," <laughs> I don't actually want to do that. Um, and uh, but sometimes it's just like, you guys, are you aware that you're actually arguing over a real person? This is not just words on a screen. There is a person attached to the other end of them. Are you aware of that? Stop being a mean girl. It's never going to work out in your favor.
0: Just stop it. And NCIS can get especially nasty about rough trade. There are people on that community that uh they don't like rough trade policies and um it seems like you know and the mods more than once have had to go in and clean off arguments about rough trade oh. off the thread because they're not germane to the discussion. If which is
2: um if you're listening in CIS fandom, if you're going to be brought here later because someone pointed out to you that I'm about to say what I'm about to say, um I mean it, I'll mean it today, I'll mean it tomorrow, I'll mean it next week, and I'll mean it next year. If you don't like how I I run Rough Trade, you can go fuck off. I don't actually give a good goddamn.
0: Because I
2: own it. And you can kiss my ass. And that's how that's always going to work. Because <laughs> I really don't give a shit. I don't. And I'm never going to because it's mine. And you don't have to participate, you don't have to be a member, you don't have to read. That's that's what it boils down to, you know? And they really, I guess people find that really offensive. (laughs) That I'm not bowing down to their wishes, maybe? That I'm not kissing their ass? Is that what it is? I I don't kiss ass. I mean... Not even my husband's ass. <laughs> I don't kiss ass. I occasionally suck dick, but I don't kiss ass. <laughs> Just to let you know.
0: Well, you know, Claire why people care. You know, it's funny. It's like they think that because it's on the internet that they're entitled to it in some way, even though it's private,
1: mm. even
0: though it's clearly listed as a as a writer's workspace that readers are allowed to as a, out of courtesy. Um, there are people who think that because it's on the Internet, they're entitled to have it, and that once they join, their inability to get the content other than to print it, which I think, you know, which we hope they don't do, but could happen, um, they can't get the content, and it just I think it just infuriates them, and it's like, you know, you're not entitled to everything on the Internet. Especially just because it's fandom doesn't mean it's yours.
2: That is... That is a thing. Also, um, you mentioned something in um Rough Trade, I think today in the in in the Facebook group about mm-hmm. um misinterpretation. And I wanted mm-hmm. to tell you a story and I saved it for tonight. Um and this is why I actually put you on the air so that we could talk about it. Um, beyond the um beginnings and the middles and the ends. Um I have a book that um actually ends up in women's studies classes all over the country. Um and it's a women's fiction book, and it is a coming-of-age story, and it ends up in these classes, and every once in a while, a student, a local student, will realize that the author of this book lives in their town, and they get super excited, and they want to meet me, and I'll go meet them and, you know, we'll have coffee or whatever and we'll discuss the book. And, you know, (coughs) sometimes they have to write a report on it or answer questions on it for a a test or whatever. And I I really have no problem doing that. I I wrote the book about 20 years ago. And um, (coughs) as a very young woman coming to terms with some very personal issues in my family that I really don't want to discuss because that would totally out me. Um, But uh, regardless, uh, I had... (laughs) This young woman, about 10 years ago, she took a class on women's studies, and she was assigned my book. She was the only person in the room assigned my book. They all got different books to read. And um, it was really interesting looking at the assignments when she showed me the syllabus and how it was going to work. And she'd gotten my book, and um, she'd been told by a fellow writer that I lived in the area. And so she sent me an email, and I met with her. And we had this super long discussion that she recorded, and she wrote this paper. Well, she gets the paper back, and the professor has given her an F. Because the um, she accused the student of not understanding the concepts of the book. And so... The student comes to me in tears and says, "I don't know what I did wrong. Would you read? I, I thought we discussed this, and um, so I read, <laughs> I read the um, the comments that the professor left, and." I went to the university, and this is something that I normally do. I, I don't, and I, I arranged to meet her during office hours, and I came into the office, and I introduced myself, and she was super excited to meet me, and that's great. And I said, and I put the girl's paper down on the desk, and she said, yes, I want to apologize to that for that. I said, you don't need to apologize to me. You need to apologize to the student because you're wrong. Every assumption you made about my book is 100% inaccurate. You read things into it that I never would have thought in a million years when I was 19 years old, which is when I wrote this book. I don't even know where it came from. I said, and actually, you subscribed events to my book that took place five to ten years after my book was written. Yeah, because it was a reprint. Talk about missing the point. Right, and I said, so I don't know what you're going to do about your student and the grade that you've given her, which is completely unfair, because she spent several hours with me over an entire week discussing her impressions of the book after she read it twice and – Every point she made in her paper is spot on. So I don't know what you're going to do about her paper, but I can tell you this, when she files a complaint with your dean about this paper, she has my home phone number an email to go with it. And I left. <laughs> but she had subscribed things to my main character that did not, that weren't... It was so offensive. It was actually the most offensive experience I'd had as a writer until that date. <laughs> what she had derived from my book was so, it was like 180 degrees from what I wanted anybody to get from my book. My book was about coming into your own and owning yourself and, and realizing um what you wanted was just as important as what everybody else wants, you know? And she obliterated every ounce of feminism in my book. It's mean, just blah. And I wanted Ew. to stab her. <laughs> I mean, it was just like she turned my book into some kind of I can't even I can't even make a comparison. And that's
0: the that to me is the ugly. It's like turning little evidence. women
2: into a story about a whorehouse. I don't I mean, you know.
0: <laughs> and, the, and the the funny thing about that is you, what what that is is there's there's two manifestations of people reading in between the lines. The first is that they read things that are there and they're mad at you for it, right? Which is bad enough. But then they read things that aren't there that are ugly and they praise you for it. And you go, ah! Right. I would rather you read something that was ugly that I didn't intend and be mad about it than say, isn't that neat?
2: Early on, when I was writing Ties That Bind, when I was. Actually, no. It, it, most, most of Ties That Bind was written before I ever started posting. Um, what. Uh, this young woman got extremely involved in Ties That Bind. And saw things in it that absolutely didn't happen and didn't exist. Um, Like, she wrote this entire essay to me about how she thought it was unfair that Miko wasn't allowed to go to Atlantis without a dom. That's not what happened. That's really not what happened. She could have gone. She chose to accept social guardianship for her own peace of mind, not because she wasn't legally allowed to go. The girl injected all these political ideas and ramifications into my story that I did not write, and when I didn't address them, that stuff I didn't actually write, she got mad. So she saw things in it, that I did not intend and did not write, and then got pissed at me when I did not address them. I told wow. her to stop reading my work. I said, do not read any more of my work. It's never going to be what you want. And don't email me any more about it either because I don't want to hear it. But... You can't control what somebody sees in your work or the perceptions they they have when they enter into a piece of fiction. You can't control that. You can't prepare them for that. And you can't shape your work to be bulletproof against it. No. You yeah. have to learn to let it go.
0: And it's, it's, I think sometimes it really kind of creeps into your brain, even though you think you let it go. Um, and that's why I kind of put mm-hmm. that post up this week was because um, it, I thought I had gotten totally past this whole thing with, um, right after, after after Rough Trade, I moved my rough draft of emergence off. And it was actually the reason why I haven't posted any rough drafts um, of my rough trade story since emergence was because of this. And I moved it off to my blog and I just left it in its rough draft state as as it is. I just posted the chapters exactly as they appeared on rough trade and um within a week or two of it going up somebody pinged me and said and they had to have been waiting for it to land there right um because nobody knew where my blog was it was the first thing on my blog nobody but rough trade people knew where my stuff had gone um basically they were waiting to get
2: posted there so they could
0: violate my rules (laughs) <laughs> Basically, which, you know, it's it, totally fair, because once it was made public, they could say whatever the fuck yeah. they wanted, I guess. Yeah. But um, right after I started posting emergency, I had flagged it as an ABO story, and um, Lady Holder pinged me and said, you know, um, some people are, you know, because there is consent issues in a lot of ABO stories, can you please flag whether or not there's consent one way or the other, just people have some safety about reading the story, which I had no problem with. So I went and changed the warnings, and I said that there's no consent issues, which was how I felt about the story. So this lady sends me this long-ass email dissecting every aspect of my world-building and how the fundamental framework of the world-building was one big consent problem, and therefore it was one giant rape fest. And... I was just like, "Whoa." <laughs> and that just so took me aback um that somebody had read that into the story. And I actually the whole story is about um you know how much stronger the submissives are in the relationship. The omega in the relationship is the most powerful. Um and that all of their power, the power that dragons have comes from them. I mean, that's the thrust of the whole plot. -hmm. But I was just devastated. I was just like, "How did did I miss something?" You know. And so, actually, one of the reasons why *Emergence* sat on the shelf for so long is because I was not getting past that for a while. And then I thought, "I've shaken it off. I've moved on." I said, "Fuck that shit," and I shook it off. (laughs) And I got to finishing, (laughs) got to finishing *Emergence*, you know. And um, I start plotting for the book (laughs) two. And one of the things I start making notes of is how to make sure there's no consent issues. <laughs> and I went, what the fuck am I doing? Right.
2: <laughs> right, because she's incepted you, she's she's interfered in your in your shit. She's gotten up in your grill. Um I actually received a um Gaving a little paragraph when I announced um, the soulmate trope as being one of is being the November. When when did we do that? November. Yeah, November. Did the soulmate trope in November? I think. Anyway. Yep. When I announced it, someone actually wrote me an email and told me that the soulmate trope was one big rape trope. Because there is no consent, because you don't get to choose your own soulmate. And so I wrote back and I asked her, so do you think that my Harry Potter and the soulmate bond is the right pick? And she wrote back and said yes.
0: Okay, then. Wow. And
2: I was like, what? <laughs> because, what? <laughs> I just I don't even know what to do with that. But... <clears throat>
0: I, I yeah, that's like it's that. like the world just tilted on its axis. It's like what the fuck?
2: She mm. just accused me of of writing a hundred and something k of rape thick right? Just like she, you know, I wonder if it's the same woman because she had a real problem with that whole soulmate thing and and the, the, the predestiny and all that and how you don't actually get a choice. And you know, the thing is, is even in the soulmate bond. Hermione brings it up, you know, I'm not sure you actually want me for me because, you know, you didn't even get a choice in who your soulmate was. So, so they have that discussion, you know. So, but it isn't about sex; it's about living their lives together and and, and being a couple.
0: I'm just. I'm just, and the funny thing is, hearing you say this, it gives me better perspective about my own shit because I still have that little voice in my head of how have I missed something. But when I hear that you've heard the same party line, basically, I just go, "That's <laughs> just bullshit." <laughs> that's just bullshit because that's I've
2: a- also been told that t- that ties that bond is an abusive rapefic and I should put a warning on it.
0: Yep. Oh, boy. I, I just, people just stump me sometimes.
2: I mean, I want you know, they come They see up, it, it come when up, they want to see it.
0: Right. It, and it's come up in MHQ. It, it it's, it's come up in rough trade. It's come up that. You know, it's in the rules of rough trade, the rough trade side, as opposed to the rough trade writers group, that you have to warn for non, you know, for for rape or any kind of non-con. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, a respect in the ear comment. Just <laughs> I know, right?
2: <laughs> Sometimes the chat room will, say it will take you totally off guard, and you don't even know what to do with it. Usually,
0: <laughs> like... yeah, just <laughs> okay. Um, but you know, it's it's in the rules. Is that you know, write what you're going to write, but you have to warn for rape. That's it. Rape and character death, and and, and you know, and, and there's no underage at all. These are the rules. This is the framework. So clearly, you're dealing with a group that is sensitive to these issues. And you know, it's just I find it completely flabbergasting that people come at what I perceive to a responsible group of, of of writers and say, you know, you're all deluded. You don't really know what consent is. This is what consent is. You're all looks writing red like. thick. Yes.
2: That person who wrote me that email, um, uh, they wrote that email to me um, using a Gmail account, and um, I uh checked their email account on my site and found their IP address, and I banned them from joining RT. I took them off the membership list, and um, they're not allowed on Rough Trade because I'm not going to tolerate that. I'm I'm, I'm just not. And if they do get in they can't comment, their comments immediately go to trash so that I will see them. Um, Earlier we talked about perception, and you can't control what somebody else sees in your story. You can't control what you see in in, in somebody's work, but you can control what comes out of your mouth, and you can control what you type. And it is extremely unfair for you to press upon someone you don't even know your worries and ideas and concerns about their work. Take it or leave it. And frankly, if you have nothing nice to say, keep your fucking mouth shut. You don't have the right to impress yourself upon another person. Which is why I have not said a single word to that person who plagiarized that story in The Hobbit. I will not comment on their fic because I don't have the right to berate them. When I talked about it in Minion Headquarters, I asked our members to support the author who had been plagiarized and not to bash the author who did it. Because I'm not her mother, and it's not my job to berate her. Even if I think she's a fucked up asshole. I'm not going to go over there and tell her. She came over here and listened to it. That's on her. <laughs> <laughs> I can, that's just what I said. You know what? You can say anything you want to about my stories, my fic, my attitude, my communities, on your own fucking website. You could dedicate a whole live journal community to bashing me. I would not give a shit. I won't go over there because I don't actually care. But knock yourself out as long as it belongs to you.
0: Just saying. (laughs) Do it on your own space and your own time. I don't want to hear about it. I, I used
2: I'm
0: to not going to be looking s- for it. No, 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 no. I I, I not <laughs> right? Sorry. I used to say mm-hmm. that I allowed um, people to send concrete on my site. It was in my feedback policy. Um, mm-hmm. But I specifically said pointing out typos is not constructive criticism, so don't do it. And people just can't seem to get the message. So I finally went and instead of just changing it, I sh- 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 did a strike through on the whole thing and said, This used to be my policy. Leave me the fuck alone.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Right? You people don't know how to do it.
2: I don't actually up? give a shit. Fuck you in the eye or in the ear, <laughs> as Azor ear.
0: so helpfully supplied earlier. Um, <laughs> which, which I don't know why that's going to just give me the giggles again. <laughs> But it reminds
2: me of there used to be this lady on oxygen or lifetime or uh I don't know. She ran some sex talk show. And people could call in. Was it Dr. Sue? And it was on TV and like she would you would see her in her little studio um desk area and people would call in and ask her sex questions. And this one lady called in and Asked, she said, that "Her hut. No, it wasn't Doctor Ruse. It was it was this Canadian lady, and she was older. And I think her name was Sue. It was Doctor Sue? I don't remember. Anyways, this lady calls in and asks Doctor Sue if that was her name. Um, is it perfectly? Is it okay or is it healthy if her because her husband likes to come in her ear?" Uh-huh. <laughs> But it was definitely not Dr. Ruth, okay? Because I know who Dr. Ruth is, and I would not have forgotten that little lady saying this. And Dr. Sue said, it is perfectly okay for your husband to come on your ear. I don't recommend him doing it in your ear. Um, and there definitely shouldn't be any fucking into the ear. And she actually used the F word. And it was like, <laughs> it was so fucking funny.
0: Okay, so I have to ask, <laughs> how many millions...
2: And, and then she ended it by saying, and do close your eyes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree. Close your eyes, because nothing burns as much as semen in your eye. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there for you guys. That is
0: really super fucking said, uncomfortable, okay? When you said that about the coming <clears> of year... I immediately covered up both ears. So I was like, I asked, how many people, how many people, you know, because you like, you know, when you talk about a guy getting kicked in the balls, all the guys in the room immediately cover their crotch. Oh. And that was my reaction it was like, as soon as you said, can you come in my ear? I was like, no. I was like, how many people, I was wondering how no. many like, people all across the Internet are going to hear this and immediately cover their ears? No, no going to be in there. So that's why when
2: Azura said what she said, it totally like threw me off in the chat room because I was like, What? <laughs> that image. And she was like in her 60s. This was an older lady. And she was so foul mouthed. And it was great. It was fantastic. She was my favorite person. And I'm pretty sure it was Dr. Sue. I wonder if she's on YouTube. It would be great. <laughs> But I'm pretty sure she was Canadian, and she would take phone calls. And she had these little dolls; she'd bring out these little um, mannequin dolls to, to demonstrate sexual positions. And she would totally demonstrate sexual positions with these little dolls. Maxine's saying it is Doctor Sue. Amazing, amazing! It was
0: fantastic. Sue Joh- jo- Johansson. Sue Johansson. Yeah,
2: that's it. Sue Johansson. That is it. Fucking hilarious. She was great. But, yeah, this caller did call in and ask if if it was okay if her husband jerked off in her ear. (laughs) No. (laughs) Talk sex with Sue. That is totally it, Azur. It was, oh, it was great. Do close your eyes, dear. Oh, that's
0: fantastic. Do close your eyes. I'm I'm never going to forget that now. And, frankly, if if the penis gets anywhere near my ear, I'm going to be covering them up. I'm going to be like, I'm sorry, I have PTSD. (laughs) You can't come. You haven't put that anywhere near my ear.
2: <laughs> I don't know. It just, it just pops into my head. I can't help it. I'm just.
0: <laughs> well, Azura's really good for that. <laughs> that actually cracks me up. I
2: don't blame her for being concerned because I. But I was this about two. Um, She never even blinked. I mean, people would call in with the most bizarre fetishes, and she wouldn't even blink. She didn't even look uh, mildly surprised when this woman <laughs> explained to her that her husband liked to jack off in her ear. <laughs> she just she wasn't at all fussed to talk about it. It was great. It was great.
0: <coughs> I've met a she lot of She the best fetishist. poker
2: face ever, yes.
0: I've met a lot of fetishists, but I've never met an ear fetishist. I feel very sheltered now. <laughs> oh,
2: my mother and I are going down the road and I'm driving and um she's on her tablet and we're at a stoplight and she hands she holds it up. Honey, what's this? And i look over. <laughs> And it was a flashlight. So I said, that's a flashlight. And she said, well, where do you stick the batteries? And I said, Mama, no, not a flashlight. A flashlight. Well, what's it? <laughs> and she got this look on her face, and she's and She goes, is this a sex toy? I was like, yes. Why are you looking at it? She said, it's on my Facebook, nasty bitches. This is one of those horrible things. I said, that's okay, because I saw one the other day that was shaped like a foot. And she went, what, <laughs> what, why? I was like, well, because some men like feet. And she went, those nasty bastards. <laughs> she, she closed her tablet and put it in the back seat and didn't look at it the rest of the day. Oh, my God.
0: Now, these things those are nasty the have flashlights, but they have the orifice, right, at the end?
2: Right, and, yeah, it, um, it had, it even had pubic hair. Oh,
1: Lord. (laughs) That's a little too, uh...
2: (laughs) My mother grew up in the, um, 60s, and she was a flower child, and she burned her bra, but she's actually, in some ways, quite sheltered. And um and <coughs> she married young. Her second marriage came um within a few years of her first ending and um she had young children so she wasn't going to bars and you know, she wasn't hanging out and, and experimenting with her friends and so she has this tol- this this total uh knowledge gap when it comes to stuff like this, and um, it's so funny because her initial response is the old lady response of, oh, God, that's so terrible. And then about two hours later, you'll find her on Wikipedia (laughs) (laughs) reading all about it. Because after I explained snowballing to her, which was an experience I have to tell you, she was grossed out for like an hour and a half, and then she went online and looked it up. Whether or not she watched videos is anybody's guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: you may not want to know.
2: <laughs> because my sister called me about three months ago, and she says I'm cleaning off Mother's computer. And I was like, and? Is, did, she, did she have a virus? And she said no, and I'm really glad STDs can't be transmitted over the internet. And I was like, what are you talking about? She said, I found X-tube in her history. And I said, yeah, that's my fault. She said, what do you mean? And I was like, she asked me if a sexual position was physically possible. And I said, well, let's go look. <laughs> And we were looking, and we were looking at this article, and that article linked to a video on Xtube, and she clicked on it, and I walked away. So I don't know what happened, because I can't actually watch porn with my mother.
0: <laughs> no, no, definitely not.
2: And she said, What well, what was the sexual position? Which I, by the way, knew was possible, but I was just, you know, trying to... Um, Appear less knowledgeable to my mother than I actually am. Um, my mother asked me about the double penetration.
0: Oh, Lord. <sighs> she said, and what did you say? I understand
2: how you would do it with a woman. I just don't understand how three men could accomplish it. Carefully. With lots of lube. <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of lube and lots of things. So, um I'm not actually sure if she did watch it or not. I don't know. But my sister did find um an XTube link on her um her internet history and I was uh cussed out by my sister for exposing our mother to um to XTube and um I was like, "You know what? She's a grown woman. She's had two kids. If she wants to watch porn, it's her business." Why don't you take your puritan ass off her computer? Why do you want it to begin with? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. And even and when you're
0: cleaning somebody's history off, you don't look at it. That's just the rule. <coughs> well, you just delete. A
2: couple years ago, I told her she just stopped throwing rocks in a glass whorehouse, and she got mad at me. So I tried to be a little nicer to my sister. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyways, so, yeah, you know, when you have a, a r- relatively young mother, I mean, my mother is just 60. She just recently turned 60, so um and she'll be 61 in August. So it's like, there's just, I don't know, there's just like this, uh, this this period where she kind of stopped being my mom and started being somebody I hung out with. (laughs) So a lot of times I will say something that I wouldn't have said to my mother ten years ago, and it comes out of my mouth, and then I realize who I've spoken to, and it's too late. It's there.
0: Yeah, it's out there. My mom asks me kink questions occasionally. And I'm okay with it until I think there's a practical application for a question and then I freak out, <laughs> <laughs> which has happened. So she'll ask me a question about something and we'll be talking through it in a very clinical way. And she goes, so if we, and I go, whoa. <laughs> no, whoa. if we, if this is about no, you and Bob Start, I don't want to hear no it. We. There's no we in this. We, no. There's no we, we No. Once you say we, we is you and pop, and that means that I am done having this discussion. (laughs) She actually does want to read my text. When you reach that age
2: where your parents ask you sex questions... It's a difficult transition to make
0: It's very traumatizing
2: Like Yeah My mother read a, um, I have It's probably no secret to my To, to my minions That um, I paid uh, for college By writing porn um, And I mean like Legit porn I don't mean erotica I mean like Hustler and penthouse Legit porn Um, Me and several of my cousins did it And uh, uh, Stan paid for law school by writing porn (laughs) (coughs) (coughs) Filthy, filthy gay porn Um, It pays very well What was
0: that tag that someone found on Rough Trade Not on Rough Trade, on uh, AO3 this week The kind of porn that gets you sent to hell or something like that
2: Right This is the kind of porn that gets you sent to hell. Um, Yeah, I wrote that kind of porn for for money to um, to pay for school. Um, So so did my cousin. Um, Two of my cousins did, Stan and another female cousin. Um, And uh, she actually gave me the information to do it. She's two years older than me, so she did it first. I can blame her for my corruption. I'm going to if my mother ever finds out. Um, And I had a bunch of uh, stories printed out. And I'd put them in a binder. Uh, and I don't know why I put them out in my office, but my mom comes across them. And she's, she's flipping through it, flipping through it. And she said, oh, my God. And then she busted out all of my names, including the maiden name. <laughs> I was like, Mother, what are you doing? What is this? What? What? She has a look on her face, and you all know that look. And it's that, where did I go wrong look? <laughs> she's, she's she's looking at you, and she's wondering where the hell she went wrong in your upbringing to cause the behavior she's just discovered. I go over, and I pick the binder up, and I close it, and I say, you know what? There's just... Um, some things they're none of your business. That's <laughs> I put it. But back on the shelf. And she said, Well, uh, can I just ask one question? And I'm like, Yes, you can ask one question. And she said, You didn't write that from experience, did you? And I'm like, No, mother, I've never had sex with two werewolves at once. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm going to be holding that in my brain as a line I hope I have some reason to use in my life.
2: (laughs) No, mother. I've never had two sex. I've I've never had two sex. um, Sex-ex with two aliens or just, you know, whatever you want to do with it. Three cowboys on a horse. (laughs) (laughs) Push it out there. On a horse. Three cowboys on a horse. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there 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 is that point in your adulthood when you stop being um, someone they shelter from information and start becoming, especially in the information age where there's been this shift where there is a generation of people who aren't as familiar with technology as some others. Like, you know, they have children and grandchildren who are very technologically inclined. My mom recently got an iPhone and wasn't that an eye-opener for everybody because she mastered texting. <laughs> And my mom is that person who calls you, and when she leaves voicemail, it sounds like a emergency. We're talking DEFCON 1 every single time she leaves a message. This is your mom. Call me right back. Immediately. Like right now. Click. Then there are like eight missed calls. You're thinking, oh, my God, who's on fire? <laughs> <laughs> nobody's on fire; she just wants you to go to the fucking store and get some bread on your way out to her house. That's what I have to deal with.
0: <clears throat> My mom's the exact exact opposite. She will ramble for five or six minutes <laughs> if she can and just go on and on and on <clears throat> and it's just i you know and it's all very sweet, but there's usually no point to it. The problem is that sometimes there is a point, but I've gotten frustrated and deleted it by that point. And so I'll call her and go, What did you want? She goes, I told you in the message. <laughs> I
2: am like, Mom. Really? I heard your I started wishing I could eight.
0: <laughs> my
2: phone has um, speech to text. So when I get a voicemail, my phone will give me a transcript of it, which, <laughs> depending on who in my family has called me, will either make perfect sense or look like an alien called me. Because. Some of them have accents that are so thick that the um, text-to-speech software has no idea what they're saying. Like, I have a cousin who always, always, this is Neville. It's actually not Neville. His name isn't Neville. There isn't a Neville in my family. But for some reason, his name, which doesn't even begin with an N, when he says it, the the speech-to-text software thinks he's saying Neville.
0: (laughs) So do you call him Neville just for fun?
2: I do, I do, yeah It's become a thing Because I'm not the only one who uses that particular phone company And, um, yeah They all do it Yeah, it's a thing But but my mom has Entered the technology age She has a laptop and a tablet And an iPhone and a computer And she carries her shit around She has a little bag, you know She, um all about it she rolls up into the cafe sets her shit up so she can do whatever the hell she's going to do while I'm writing which is can be anything from marathoning criminal minds on Netflix to watching four and a half hours of knitting videos on YouTube
0: that's a lot of knitting
2: <laughs> no I asked her I said why don't you just watch fishing she said that would be boring I was like are you serious right now are you being serious <laughs>
0: No, so, because
2: so, you just watched a lady knit an afghan.
0: The question is, does she know how to knit? Yeah, yeah. So she already knows how to knit. So she's not like learning how to knit. She watches new stitches and techniques. So it really is entertainment.
2: I mean, I don't know what it is to her. I mean, education.
0: Wow, because if I were watching a knitting video which I wouldn't be watching, but if I were, it would be me sitting there with a confused expression (laughs) on my face trying to figure out how to make these two needles do something.
2: It wouldn't last more than a couple of minutes. That's certain. I'd be like, I would have the needle needles, and I'd be like, okay, no, fuck that shit. I'll just go to the store and buy an afghan. (laughs) I'd rather buy one. This is what Etsy's for. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Claire Watson says she might do it if she was high. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I guess if you were stoned off your ass, four hours of knitting videos would be irritating. But I think you would have to lay in a supply of marijuana and snacks. Yes. Because your high would get corrupted by the knitting.
0: There was some comedian who was talking about that... Uh... <laughs> You can tell the guys who are who are really into plot because they get high and sit around watching c span all day and think it's the funniest thing ever. yeah, <laughs> it's that kind of thing
2: <clears throat> so what we would say about um story perception and about story endings um Keep your idea clear in your head and don't let anybody else's interpretation of your idea um, corrupt it for you, ruin it for you, make you uncomfortable with it. Because, yes, there was a time when I grew uncomfortable with ties at bind because of the outside perception that I received that it was abusive and that I was um, mentally damaged for writing it, because that happened too. <laughs> and that there was something fundamentally wrong with me and... Um, I also got uh, threats of um, maybe somebody will break into your house and rape you, so then you will understand how wrong it is to write what you write. Ooh, Not kidding. What the I hell? Know. I know. If your husband beat you, you wouldn't think this was sexy. To which I <sighs> responded, my husband regularly spanks my ass, and I assure you I think it's really sexy. They never wrote back. <laughs> say I did. But yeah, so, you know, an outside position, an outside um can can corrupt what you think and what you feel about your stories. So it's important to fully immerse yourself in the picture you want to create so their perceptions don't ruin it for you. So if you see your picture in your head, it doesn't matter what they see, it only matters what you see, and don't let anybody else paint your picture for you. How's that for deep endings you you really, really, really need one. <laughs> it's important, it's validation because there's nothing more satisfying as a writer then typing the end and meaning it. It's fucking awesome. Really. So you need an it ending. Really is. Plan for an yeah, plan for an ending.
0: And be prepared and I, mean, I would caution people to be prepared when you're approaching when you even if you got your ending planned that some of the most difficult writing you will do just accept it is getting to the end. And it's not always going to be um, inspired every day to get up and write on those loose ends and tie things up. And you don't have to tie up every loose end. I would really caution people about that. You don't have to put a bow on every little thing that happened in your story. But sometimes, But if you try you know, to
2: do that, you get that, and then this happened, and then this yes. happened, and also this and then and then you never get an ending, which is why there are, like, six endings to um, Return of the King. Did you notice that? Uh-huh. It's it especially obvious when you're watching the movie. Because you think, oh, Frodo destroyed the ring. That's the end. No. No, it's not. Oh, look, Frodo's been reunited, reunited with his hobbit friends. Oh, that's the end. No. It's not. <laughs> oh, look, there's Aragorn being a, Crown of the king. That's the end. No. No. It's not. And the worst part is, is that Jackson ended it before the book ended. <laughs> the hobbits <laughs> go back to the Shire, and Salaman has taken over the Shire. And he's, like, yep. fucking up <laughs> the hobbits. And that's not even shown in the movie. But that's like there are, like, three more endings in the book. So don't do that to your writer. Have one ending.
0: You don't have to tie oh, everything no, up. Oh, no, destroy the ring. It is okay to <laughs> let the readers infer that the king was crowned. You don't necessarily need to show it.
2: And the singing and the trip home and the scourge of the shower. No, it's just not necessarily.
0: Because that will. that One that more ending. That is that is in its way it's a form of torture to the to the writer because when you're that much and writers I think inherently are perfectionists in a lot of ways is they want it to be perfect because this is their mm-hmm. it's their brainchild it's the product of their creativity and they want it to be right and so they want to tie up loose ends and they want to make sure that their that their vision is conveyed but it is impossible to do that realistically. Like I said, unless you just write like a timestamp epilogue that just bang, 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 and you bang out what those loose ends are. Um, but wrapping everything up brings in more plot. Otherwise, it's very flat. And then the more plot there is, there's more writing to do, <laughs> and it never ends. And and right. then.
2: <laughs> and then. And the perception thing is true as well. You have to... Um, Develop your own perception and not allow anybody else to interfere with that. And um, I have a writer um, friend who has a perfect, perfect example of this. Who is the bad guy in The Wizard of Oz? I'm asking you, Jilly. Who's the bad guy?
0: Um, Who's the bad guy in The Wizard of Oz? Who's the antagonist in that story? Well, you know, for me it's the flying monkeys, but... um, <laughs> uh, I assume <laughs> because I had trauma around the flying monkeys, I didn't care about anybody else. Um, maybe Munchkins. I don't know. It's a very difficult perception because um, some people don't like uh, the Good Witch. The Wizard of Oz could be perceived as a bad guy, um, um, but certainly the Wicked Witch of the West is the the classic perception of the bad guy. Now. Look, somebody dropped a house on her sister, so she has the right to be mad.
2: And stole her shoes. She's
0: and stole Dorothy her has shoes. come
2: out of nowhere. She's murdered the witch of the east. She's stolen the witch of the west inheritance. She's taken her booty across Oz to escape, and then in the end, she murders the wicked witch of the west. So if it's told from the Wicked Witch of the west point of view, Dorothy is an unrepentant serial killer, Azur, You're absolutely right. I mean, she's terrible. So it's all about perception and perspective. And really, the good witch could be considered bad as well, because she had the ability to send Dorothy home from the very beginning, but chose not to, which makes her a sadist. And an asshole. <laughs> <I mean, coughs> Granted, it's not much of a movie if she goes home immediately. Yes, that that's a plot device. Um, but to acknowledge that Dorothy had the ability to go home the entire time she was in Oz, being terrorized by this wicked witch and these flying monkeys and um, doing drugs in a poppy field, <laughs> <laughs> committing murder to get a broom for a fake wizard to get something hey, he couldn't give her to begin with because he's a con man so yeah it just depends on your perception. point of view
0: and Glenda right. was apparently uh, I dare I you to watch
2: the wizard what
0: I just had the thought what? that Glenda was apparently the original Dumbledore right doing the the right thing for the wrong <laughs> reasons or the wrong bitch, thing right? for the right reasons <laughs> <laughs> The
2: greater good.
0: The greater good.
2: Because <clears throat> the Wicked Witch of the West was Voldemort.
0: Possibly. And
2: Dorothy was Harry Potter. She was being tested throughout her quest into Oz. So, yeah, I dare you to watch Wizard of Oz the same way ever again.
0: <laughs> I can't watch it. The flying monkeys.
2: <laughs> Fuck you up every time.
0: Speaking of which, there's
2: a really cool um, rendition of a uh, uh, version of The Wizard of Oz. It's called uh, Tin Man. It's on Netflix. I highly recommend it. It's fucking awesome. It's a great story. Um, I think it might be the live-action version of Frozen before Frozen ever happened. I, It's great. I highly recommend it. We're down to a minute. I want you guys to have a great weekend. I want to thank Jillie for joining me and discussing um, all of her little things she brought up this week that – um yeah. So, so thanks. Mhm. It was fun. And remember our golden rule, no ass to mouth.
0: Thank you for you think before you repark.
1: <laughs> shut, up shut, up shut up and sit down. down.